Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here today, and there is a lot to get into. I'm going to preview the Monday night game first between the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who do I see having the edge here? I'm also going to go through Week 9 and the highlights. Really, to me, it was the week of the underdog for the NFL. A lot of unexpected happened and a lot of shocking, surprising uh, things in the NFL. And just as we are at this halfway point, can we really make a firm decision of who will be representing both the NFC and the AFC in the Super Bowl? Then I'm going to get into the NBA give you my NBA top five, who are my top five teams right now, a preview of the Nets, Bulls, Hornets, Lakers, Chicago Blackhawks, fire their coach, pick up their first win, and then also college football, another weekend, some upsets as well. I'm going to react to those and also give you my top four college football playoff rankings. And if I was on the committee, who I would select one through six, And also, I will wrap up with college basketball. That starts tomorrow. Who do I think will be cutting down the nets at the end of the year? All that to get into. Uh, Let's start with the Bears-Steelers Monday night game that is on tonight in Steel City. Heinz Field, who has the edge? Well, right now, the betters indicate, or Vegas, that Pittsburgh does is they are seven-point home favorites. I say to that, not so fast. I actually like the Chicago Bears in this game. I am picking Chicago to win and pull off the upset. It's already been a week of upsets where I believe seven of the 13 matchups uh, were actually on Sunday. It was seven of 12 matchups. The underdog won this game. I'm rolling with Chicago. I believe the underdog will win this game. Justin Fields has been playing his best, and I know last week it was his best game, and there was no Matt Nagy, and I know it's only a very small sample size one game, but I have no faith in Matt Nagy, no belief. I believe Justin Fields would play better without him, and he did. I think moving forward, that would be the case, unfortunately, Matt Nagy will be on the sideline tonight, so I have to see him coach Justin Fields, and he does not know how to do that. But I think Justin Fields is going to make plays. I do. I think the key thing we saw last week was the ability to make plays with his leg. And I know this Bears offensive line is terrible. They're going to give up some sacks. They have one of the best edge rushers and the Steelers. T.J. Watt coming back from that side to torment him. But when you have a mobile quarterback is Justin Fields, it makes it a lot, lot tougher. And I know the Steelers' game plan for things like this uh, with Lamar Jackson, but I do believe Justin Fields can go into Pittsburgh and escape with the win. I think it will be tough. It will be grueling. Uh, Chicago's defense will have to be better. I don't think uh, Khalil Mack will have uh, will be playing, but they have to play better. But I also lately have not seen a lot from this Pittsburgh offense, and I haven't liked what I've seen either. Last week, they only managed 15 points against 
the Cleveland Browns. 15, very, you know, bad game offensively by both teams. It was a pain to watch. That wasn't a good performance. Then against the Seahawks, you know, they score 23 points, 14 of those in the second quarter. And in the second half, they look lost. And really throughout this season, we've seen a lot of bad performance, a lot of bad plays from the Pittsburgh Steelers, from Ben Roethlisberger. So he's also a quarterback I don't have a lot of faith in as well. He is able to, or he is showing uh, his age, and uh, he cannot carry this team. I really do think Chicago, because of Justin Fields, will win this game. I know it's the X factor. It's Justin Fields versus the defensive line, because I think he's going to make some throws. I do. It's just, can they get a little bit of running game going uh, to suppress Justin Fields uh, throwing it, you know, 40 times a game? Can this defense be opportunistic, come up with key stops, force some turnovers? That is huge for uh, the Chicago Bears. And when we're looking at the big picture here, this, to me, is a must-win for Chicago. The Vikings just lost last night, or yesterday, to the Baltimore Ravens. A huge loss, which really hurts their playoff chances. Uh, So Minnesota, Chicago sitting at the same record. So for Chicago, this would be a huge, huge win to pick up as they have a, you know, with the team they have, you just never know from week to week. You know, they play the Ravens, Cardinals, uh, Vikings twice still, so those to me are the two biggest games. Uh, but they have a decent schedule to where if they can win this one, uh, they can string together some wins to be in a playoff spot. I think that is what you want. That is what you need to see right now. They win tonight. They're kind of right there at number eight vying for that playoff spot. And then you have Pittsburgh on the other hand, who's sitting at four and three. And there is little separation in the AFC North. You have Cleveland and Cincinnati at five and four, Pittsburgh at four and three, and Baltimore at six and two. So a win here, and you're only one behind Baltimore. But if you're Pittsburgh, you lose. You're kind of right there with Cleveland and Cincinnati, and you give Baltimore a little more cushion. Just in the division race for Pittsburgh, this is a huge, uh, huge game. And also in terms of your playoff spot as well, you lose this, you'd be out of a playoffs right now, back to 500. Big game coming up tonight for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears. But I have faith in Justin Fields to come out, have a great performance, and win this game. I'm rolling with the Chicago Bears tonight in Heinz Field. Now, I'm going to move on to yesterday's matchups and highlights. What did I see? Well, I'm going to start with the Sunday night game between the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Rams. On my previous podcast, I predicted Tennessee to upset the Los Angeles Rams. I said that was going to happen. Albeit, I thought it would be much closer than the game last night. And apparently not a lot of people were on my side. Uh, 81% uh, 
of the fans uh, said Los Angeles, even on the Sunday night board, only Mike Tirico picked Tennessee. So there's a lot of love for L.A., a lot of high expectations uh, coming in. No Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans. How are they going to win? I thought A.J. Brown, Tannehill would step up. It would be a close game, but it was really not a close game at all. This, to me, was dominance by the Tennessee Titans, and in particular, defensive dominance. I was not expecting this. I know I talked briefly previously how bad Matthew Stafford in primetime games has been before coming to L.A. 6-20. He got his first one this year Sunday night against Chicago with the Rams to move to 7-20, and but I said later in the season, we're going to see if this is real or not, and last night, it was not real. Primetime Matthew Stafford came out, and it was bad. Just like Con Artist Kirk, it wasn't as bad as Con Artist Kirk, because Con Artist Kirk last week got outdueled by a backup in Cooper Rush. However, Stafford flunked this test yesterday. He did not pass. He's not Stafford. He's Staff flunked. That is going to be his primetime name. I won't refer to that to him at all times because he's playing like an MVP. But last night, the stage is set. Tom Brady coming off an all-right performance, had a bye week. He's kind of probably the MVP favorite. You know, he threw a pick six last week. But he still threw for over 300 yards and threw for four touchdowns and had a close losing effort to the Saints. This was your statement game, Matthew Stafford. This was the one to say, I am the MVP. And what do you do? You come out and you prove that you are not the MVP. You staff flunked this test on national television. You blew it. You blew it. Not a great performance at all by Matthew Stafford. This defense by Tennessee picked this offense a part in the first half. It was that bad. The first quarter, uh, L.A. gets the field goal late. It's 3-0. Going into the second quarter, Los Angeles Rams get the ball. They have it in deep in their own territory, around their own five-yard line. And Stafford, a uh, lot of inside pressure, too, uh, by Isaiah Simmons. Gets him in the end zone. And instead of throwing it away before then, taking the safety, he throws an interception. Pulls a Carson Wentz last week. Uh, Titans are familiar with this one, where Carson Wentz was in the end zone, throws a pick six. Matthew Stafford does the exact same thing. Throws it to David Long. They get it right there. And then the next play, easy touchdown by the Tennessee Titans. They get it back... Next play, Matthew Stafford, pick six. Kevin Byard, AFC Defensive Player of a Month uh, last week, is the highest-graded safety right now, and for good measure, he has been playing out of this world. And Stafford allows him to bite, throws that pick six. Uh, then they get the ball back again, and they get a touchdown. They're up 21-3 to at halftime, and they both had the same yards. At halftime, they were both around 94 yards, less than 100. 
thought the score was 21 to 3. The defensive inside pressure was huge. Simmons had three sacks in the first half. Inside pressure was great uh, using stunts on the defensive line to create the inside pressure, not to force uh, Matthew Stafford out of the pocket, but just straight bull rushes just to get with him and force him not to lead into his throw was key. And they had no answer. Even in the second half, they did a better job kind of moving the offensive line and pulling people. But Matthew Stafford could not get into any rhythm at all. They were able to drive down the field, but they were not able to score touchdowns. They scored a field goal in one red zone trip uh, because of the wide receiver stepping out of dead bounds. But this was overall a great performance by Tennessee. But this was not the dominating performance I was expecting by Tennessee. I was not expecting the defense, but I thought just maybe this was a team that really dominated the Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. 27-3. to Could they do it again? They hang in against the Bills and they beat them. This is a team that has beat good teams. Can they do it? And they did. I'm going to say the Titans' defense came to play, and if this is their new identity without Derrick Henry, if it's this defense being the one to step up, Ryan Tannehill playing effective, then they have a good chance of winning a lot of football games and easing the pain of losing Derrick Henry and coming back. Because I look at their schedule, and this was their last biggest game. And they've already beat a lot of good teams. They beat the Colts so far uh, two times, the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, the Rams. So a lot of their hard part of their schedule is done. I look ahead, and maybe I see two more losses on this, but 13-4, and four, and that should be enough actually for the number one seed, considering they own a tiebreaker over Buffalo, who's dropped one. Uh, the Colts, you know, the Chiefs, they're in very, very good standings right now. I love the way they played. I love the way they defended last night. Really didn't bring the blitz, but was able to create pressure uh, from the forward. You know, Jeffrey Simmons uh, and uh, Danico Autry, they all played really, really sound football last night. And on the Rams side, it was just bad performance. Sean McVay Disappointed in the offense. Matthew Stafford looked confused. Uh, Sean McVay, they had really no answer for Tennessee. They couldn't get any offensive rhythm at all. And, you know, if you just look at, you know, the dead plays at the end of the stats, you see 347 yards to LA to 194 uh, yards to Tennessee. And that does not paint the whole picture whatsoever. You look at the turnovers by LA2, which cost them 14 points. You look at the penalties, 12 penalties for 115 yards. Uh, that's just unacceptable. You can't lose games like that. We saw the Buccaneers last week have a tough time when they went for over 100-plus uh, penalty yards, and they had 11. LA has to play a lot more disciplined, a lot more, if they want to win football games. Aaron Donald can't be roughing the passer. Jalen Ramsey, 2-1 sportsman-like conduct penalties. Someone, 
please tell me how he did not get ejected. The ref said on the first one against A.J. Brown, it was an unsportsmanlike conduct. Then the second one, another one, A.J. Brown, unsportsmanlike conduct taunting. But they said this is his first one, but they got penalized. Mike Grable had the same expression as me. Jalen should be gone, but they changed it even though they announced it as unsportsmanlike conduct. They said it was a personal foul. Uh, that's something I don't like. They should have ejected uh, Jalen Ramsey and played with no composure last night. This defense uh, played with no composure, and it showed what a hollow team they are uh, last night. But the Tennessee Titans were able to whoop up on the Los Angeles Rams. This was a great win, and it just sends Los Angeles back to the drawing board. If they had their easiest part of your schedule done, you know, this was a big game for them to kind of stay with the Arizona Cardinals in the battle for the AFC West. They lost this one. They now play the 49ers, who Sean McVay has a ton of problems with. Kyle Shanahan owns him. It's another primetime game for Matthew Stafford. Is he able to rebound for another primetime game? Can he do it? And then they got the Packers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Ravens. So that was a big loss for the Los Angeles Rams. Arizona and San Francisco, another one. I thought, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins for Arizona. They're two biggest playmakers. San Francisco should be able to win this game. I know they're getting George Kittle back, ease him in. But the defense, they should be able uh, to win this game, get back into the playoff picture. That did not happen. Arizona blew them out 31-17. to And at one point, it was 31-7. to in the third quarter. This was the worst loss of the Kyle Shanahan era uh, for the reasons I just explained with no Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins. Worst loss. This was very embarrassing uh, to lose this game. He should be done. It's I think it's time for Kyle Shanahan uh, to be gone. Uh, you know, was able to do decent with the Falcons as the coordinator uh and even take the 49ers to the Super Bowl, but they could not win, and now this team is rearing its ugly head, and it is not enough anymore. Kyle Shanahan needs to be done. This was the last straw. You cannot lose this game. This was a big game right here, and you lose this one to the Arizona Cardinals at home. Haven't won a home game in two years. Uh, This is all an indictment on Kyle Shanahan and... Uh, John Lynch, a general manager. How poor San Francisco looked last night. How unprepared they looked. And an Arizona team without Colt McCoy or without Kyler, without DeAndre, were just that much better than San Francisco. And it's sad because I was at the Arizona Cardinal game a month ago where the Cardinals won 17 to 10 and Kyler Murray played, DeAndre played, and they struggled. In this game, heavily. And you play better without those two guys. And San Francisco plays worse. Uh, It's just shockingly bad. I really thought San Francisco had a shot. But the underdog actually here. The Arizona Cardinals won this game. Just like the Tennessee Titans. They came in on the road. A chip on their shoulder. Colt McCoy played a great game. James Conner was fantastic. This was a true team game. The chemistry was there. 
and they embarrassed the 49ers at home. Outgained them by 100 yards. You know, Kyle Shanahan, a guy that prides himself on running the football, running strong. Only 39 yards rushing the football compared to the Cardinals. 163 because of that, they were able to dominate the time of possession, uh, 36 minutes to 24 minutes, uh, favor Arizona. Arizona was just that much better last night, you know, than the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and that just can't happen. Then you had Green Bay in Kansas City. The first start by Jordan Love. How would he fare last night? In Arrowhead, and I thought he did a decent job. He had a better completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes. He threw more yards than Patrick Mahomes. I thought he did very, very good in his first start. Uh, Really didn't put them in a position to lose. Had the one crucial interception uh, down there uh, in the end zone or in the red zone. Uh, which was a bad pick, you know, kind of a jump ball to Devontae Legereus Sneed to me, made a great play on the ball. But I'm not going to say this loss was on the shoulders of Jordan Love. To me, it was the special teams unit. Early in the game, the Chiefs strike first uh, with the touchdown to Travis Kelsey, which was their only touchdown of the game. Uh early in the first quarter. You have the Packers after that missed two field goals. You have Mason uh, Crosby uh, pull one to the left, and then you have a missed time snap, uh, which was high, and then the Chiefs were able to block that. So that's six points right there. You make those two field goals, that's 13-13. This game is tied, and then at the end, the Chiefs are actually driving to... Uh, win the game, not driving to end the game. So those are two different things. And because of that, the Chiefs were able to win this game. But I have to give props to Jordan Love because in a very, very tough environment, he played, I thought, pretty good, especially came alive in the second half. The first half, I could tell, you know, the crowd noise was a problem. The atmosphere just... This first game, and they lose this game. Played much better in the second half, but Patrick Mahomes, he has to work on himself a lot. 20 of 37. Again, they were able to effectively take out the deep threat and Tyreek Hill, this Green Bay Packer defense. They were able to bottle up the rushing game real well and contain Patrick Mahomes. Uh, This Kansas City offense, to me, Does not look good. The defense, big problem, and the defense was able to make big stops. And then Jordan Love was playing. But the Kansas City Chiefs have a lot of problems. Only 237 yards of total offense. That's not something we're used to seeing by them. This offense, to me, is in uh, shambles, considering how we're used to seeing them play. The big plays, chunk yardage plays, uh, scoring a lot of points. And lately, they just cannot do that. Packers only managed 13 against the Giants, 20. The Titans, three points 
They have a big game next week against the Raiders uh, Sunday night, uh, which is you know effectively kind of like for first place in the division. They need to win that game, and I don't know if they can. I think it's a combination now. I think the defense is already so bad, even though they make key plays against Jordan Love. I think if Aaron Rodgers is in there, it's a different story, and the Packers win that game. But the Chiefs were able to pull it out. But this offense, to me, is sort of regressing. Patrick Mahomes not making the correct throws. He's got Travis Kelsey open a lot of times for first downs, and you can just give it to him, and he can make a play and run with it after the catch. He is not letting him do that. I'm very concerned with this Chiefs offense right now, and they have two very big games coming up before their bye at Las Vegas and then the Cowboys. Those, to me, are their two biggest games of the season, and they're playing them back-to-back. I would have said the Packers, but again, no Aaron Rodgers. And then for the Packers, this is huge. Because now you're bumped back down in the standings. You know, you just had the tiebreaker over Arizona. Now you have to hope for them to lose another game for you to get that tiebreaker back. Uh, But in this NFC, which is very loaded, that is a big loss for the Green Bay Packers. Then you have the LA Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles. What a great performance this was by Justin Herbert. 356 yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen finally got going yesterday. He was great. Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith. That connection was there, and that was good. A great back-and-forth game where the Chargers had the lead. Uh, The Eagles took it. Then the Chargers took it back. Eagles took it back. You know, the Chargers took it back. Then they tied it up. And then the game-winning field goal by Los Angeles this was a great game in Philly. Philly won that I believe they kind of had to need to stay just in the playoff race. This one hurts them, but this was a big one for LA to stay in first place in the AFC West, already owning wins over Las Vegas and Kansas City. And they still play each of them one more time. That was a big win for the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert with a great performance yesterday. Baltimore and Minnesota. Said Baltimore would win this game. I thought they would do it and handle it much better than what it was yesterday. Took overtime for Baltimore to win this game and another uh, blown lead by the Minnesota Vikings. Up 24-10 in the third quarter. And you actually let Baltimore score 21 unanswered points in about like 15 minutes game time. And then you have to come back and make the game tying play. Uh, Momentum swings there were big uh, by the Minnesota Vikings in losing this game. And they played a clean game too. I thought Kirk Cousins was effective enough, you know, 187 yards, uh, two touchdowns. They were able to get the running game in Dalvin Cook, but this defense could not stop Lamar on the ground. Lamar rushed for over 120 yards. Uh, 
They let him make too many plays, and that was the game. Again, this defense for the Minnesota Vikings, it's not good. Um, Mike Zimmer, known as this sort of defensive professor, well, last year and this year, a defense has not really been his thing. And it's going to need to be his thing soon. Because they play the Chargers, who are good offensively, and then the Packers as well. So we're going to have to start playing some defense uh, really, really soon. Uh, or else this season is over. This was a big loss for them. A game they could have won, could have, should have, would have. But they didn't. A shame on them. Baltimore has a big win to not only stay a lead in the AFC West, but also hang with the Titans as well in the AFC. Buffalo and Jacksonville. Uh, very terrible game. I feel bad for anybody that started Josh Allen and fantasy because I did, and I only got like five points from Josh Allen. That's how bad he was. Josh Allen got outplayed by Josh Allen. But Josh Allen on the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, was that bad. He should be referred to now as the other Josh Allen. And the Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars can refer to as just Josh Allen. Uh, the quarterback of the Bills uh, was terrible. Uh, two interceptions, only 250 yards. When he's your leading rusher, two at 50 yards. That is a problem as well in this defense. Buffalo did good, held Jacksonville to nine points. Nine points. Nine. But they can't score six. They can't score a touchdown on Jacksonville. When teams have been routing them, Geno Smith was able to score 31. Geno Smith last week, the Titans blew them out 37. Uh, The Dolphins, even though they beat them, scored 20. Every team... That has played Jacksonville this season, has scored double-digit points, and a lot of these are worse offenses than the Buffalo Bills, like the Broncos, like the Texans, like the Dolphins. And you're telling me the Bills can't score double-digit points, can't score a touchdown on the Jaguars? That's pathetic. They lose a lot of stock, a lot of respect for losing this game. To me... They are not favorites in the AFC West. Or, in, I'm my bad, in the a, just in the AFC. And they're not actually, to me, favorites right now in their own division, which is the AFC East. Now they got to watch out for the Patriots, who are right there behind them. This is a huge loss for the Buffalo Bills moving forward. New England and Carolina. New England is stringing together win after win after starting one and three. They are now five and four. A defense playing well. Pick six yesterday on Sam Darnold, who threw three interceptions. The man years ago on the Jets playing the Patriots said he was seeing ghosts. I wonder if you if he was mic'd up, if you were to have said the same thing yesterday, because I believe he saw some ghosts yesterday again. That's how bad he looked. Mac Jones, not a world beater, but he's playing efficient football in their winning football games. That's the key. That's what the Patriots are doing. Las Vegas and New York. Las Vegas has been able to overhandle adversity. 
so far this season with John Gruden, another one in Henry Ruggs, but they were not able to do this. The New York Giants pulling off the upset on them. Derek Carr threw two interceptions, uh, which was huge. He cannot do that. Cannot allow the Giants to have favorable field position uh, to score. And really a depleted uh, New York Giants team won this game. They threw for a total of 96 passing yards. 96 and somehow they still won this game. And it's not like they rushed for over 200. They had 149, which isn't bad. But still, the Las Vegas Raiders should be ashamed of their performance yesterday. Atlanta, New Orleans. I said Atlanta with the upset. And why did I say that? Because I said, I'm not a fan of Trevor Simeon. I think I know Atlanta lost Kyle Pitts, but I think they can still win this game. And for a while there, I was looking good. It was 24-6 to Atlanta. And they let New Orleans score 19 points to take the lead with a minute left. 25-24 New Orleans. And I thought it was lost at that point, but Matt Ryan... Great throw to Cordero Patterson, a sideline catch and run, and a young way makes the 29-yarder to walk off and win the game. This was huge for two reasons. Atlanta keeps the playoff hopes alive when it was supposed to be a rebuilding year. Traded away Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley left. It's kind of like all hope is lost. But now you're 4-4. Four and four. You have a big tiebreaker game now over the Saints. And the Falcons are sort of sitting right there. And for the Saints, this was huge because if you win this game, you're the first place in the division. You have a tiebreak over the Bucks. You're sitting right there in a top four spot. But now you lose this game and the Falcons are just one behind you. And now you look at New Orleans. You know, I know they were able to orchestrate a comeback, but... I don't know if they have enough firepower at quarterback Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon when they have a tough road ahead. Still play the Falcons again. Play the Bucks again. The Cowboys. The Bills. The Saints. Can the Saints win games, have a lead, and let the defense, who's been really good, sort of sit on leads? Or will they be playing from behind because the Saints, without Jameis Winston, are not built to come back? And win football games like this consistently. Miami and Houston. Miami just hung on to one this game. I thought, should I switch it? Miami. No Tua. But Jacoby Brissett came in. And the key was he threw one less interception than Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, three interceptions. Jacoby Brissett, two interceptions, one touchdown. Both quarterbacks did not play well. This was not an easy game to watch. But Jacoby Brissett made just one more play than Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor made just one more mistake than Jacoby. And that was the difference in this game. Denver and Dallas. Was shame on Dallas. Down 30-0 to zero in the fourth quarter to Teddy Bridgewater. And the Broncos at home. And they just traded away Von Miller. Is it a key? Was Von Miller the key? I know he was injured the past few weeks, but maybe they just play better without him. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater likes playing Jerry Jones and Jerry's world over there in Dallas. I said when I opened up this year, and I said the Dallas Cowboys were going to be good, I said I was going to pick three games 
the Cowboys should win. And I know they should win. That's why I'm going to pick them. But they'll just inexplicably lose that game. This was their first one. This was one of three, I believe, so far. I picked Dallas to win this game. I thought it'd be huge. Jack Prescott having that week off, hailing the calf up. Should they be able to win? Yeah, they should. But that was not the case. Another team that looked lost. They couldn't get the running game going, and they abandoned it early, which worked so well for them this year, is running the football. They could not do it uh, yesterday. And in the time of possession, Denver dominated 41 minutes to 19 of Dallas. That is the key, I believe, to winning football games. If you can dominate a time of possession like that, score in the red zone, you are in great position to win football games. That's the key formula right there. That's, that's what you should be preaching, not the flashy points. Dominating the time of possession, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Denver executed that perfectly yesterday. That's why they won that game. Then you got Cleveland-Cincinnati. I thought, what Cleveland team will show up? I said Cincinnati coming off a big loss. A 2v New York Jets. They should be able to rebound at home and win this game. And was I wrong? Cleveland, free Odell. Don't have them on their mind anymore. And they come out, play loose, and dominate Cincinnati. 41 to 16. I was not expecting that. I was at least expecting a close game. It really took off when they were driving Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow throws an interception. Ben Denzel Ward takes it back to the house. 99 yard pick six for Denzel Ward. Then they were able to score after that and tie the game. But this defense was not able to stop the Jets. I, uh, Browns. They weren't able to stop the Jets last week, and the Browns just kept on coming. Touchdown after touchdown, big play after big play. A 60-yard pass, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Baker Mayfield connection, 70-yard Nick Chubb run. Uh, before you know it, it's 34-10 to Cleveland, and it's basically game over for Cincinnati. All heaping praise on Cincinnati. A first in their division, and now they've lost two in a row since dominating Baltimore. Two big losses right there. To me, this hurts their division chances a lot now. And, you know, you go from, in a matter of two weeks, first place to last place. That shows you how tight this division is, and they need to get back to the drawing board quick Cincinnati. And for Cleveland, there's a lot they need to fix as well, I believe, moving forward. Uh, I know Odell's gone, and that's a big presence. Gone and sort of shroud hanging over this team. I'm glad he's gone. But still, they still need to tighten things up offensively and defensively. I need to see repeat performance. Next week, they play the Patriots, who've been really good, sound defensively. Baker has been having trouble against good defenses. You look at uh, the Browns game. You look at the Cardinals game. And you wonder, it's at New England. Does Bill Belichick have something up his sleeve for next week? A lot of NFL to talk about. And then on top of that, Deshaun Jackson is signing with the Raiders. I think that is a great pickup. They just lost Henry Ruggs. They need a deep threat to kind of open up. I think that will definitely ease some of the pain. Definitely think the talent there is better with Henry Ruggs. 
but I think this is a key signing for the Las Vegas Raiders to still stay in AFC West contention. Now moving to VNBA. I'm going to give you my top five teams right now in VNBA. Number one, or my bad, number five, the Utah Jazz. They were right there at six and one, and then they lost two out of their last three games. Both of those without Mike Conley, which which explains that. But other than that, Donovan Mitchell playing out of his mind. 25.7 rebounds, 7 assists. That's a good stat line I like. Rudy Gobert averaging a double-double. He's playing good. Uh, this team is playing good, but really, Mike Conley is a key cog in this team. And it shows when he's not running the point and he's not there at a defensive effort either. This is a big loss when he is taking a rest and is having rest days. Number four, the Brooklyn Nets. Right when we were talking about the Brooklyn Nets and the trouble they were having, no Kyrie, uh, James Harden not playing well. Then all of a sudden they reel off five wins in a row. Playing great basketball, James Harden is looking good as well. He looks like he's slowly finding his form. Kevin Durant already there. And if Brooklyn Nets have already kind of found this pace 10 games in, it's going to be a long more 72 more games for the rest of the Eastern Conference. Number three, Miami Heat sitting at 7-2. and two. Jimmy Butler playing like an MVP. Tyler Hero playing like sixth man of the year slash most improved player slash come, comeback player of the year. I mean, all of this. He is playing really good, averaging 21 uh, points a game. Bam out of bio. Kyle Lowry, the leadership of this team. I really like it. Eric Spolstra, great coach. Uh, that's why the Miami Heat are at three. Number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. Eight and two, best record in the East. To me, that's just usual with the Sixers. No Ben Simmons, it still happens. Uh, Tobias Harris, you know, getting yanked uh, for the COVID protocol, they still win. Now Joel Embiid is out. How do they encounter and play uh, with all that adversity? That'll be key to see this week. But number one, best record in the NBA, Golden State Warriors. They just keep on winning. Stephen Curry. MVP form, Draymond Green, playing a lot better than he did last season. The depth of this team as well. Uh, Gary Payton, uh, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Andrew Wiggins. They're all playing really well, helping out Steph Curry right in time. Now the key question is, if they're playing so well, do they need Klay Thompson? Will Klay Thompson mess up the chemistry coming back? I think that's a legitimate question to ask instead of just plugging players in. But that's my NBA top five at the moment. The Utah Jazz, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Golden State Warriors. So tonight I'll be making two picks. First, the Nets and the Bulls. Both strong starts to the season. Nets 7-3, and three. Chicago a 6-3. and three. Chicago's playing really good. Uh, as of late, even though back-to-back losses uh, to the 76ers. I think that's three straight tonight. 
I think the Nets are a better team. I like what Chicago has done uh, with uh, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, uh, Nikola Vucevic, and uh, Caruso, and building the defense, Zach Levine, superstar. But Nets are just too much. I believe Kevin Durant, uh, efficient scorer, James Harden as well. That one-two punch is just too much uh, for the depth of Chicago. Then the Hornets and Lakers. Lakers still no LeBron resting for a week. Because of that, you have a terrible loss to the Thunder, which they come back from 19 points and beat you, and then you were never close with the Trail Blazers. Beat them shorthandedly. Lakers need to start winning games. It's, it's too soon to be playing this 500 game, 5-5. Five and five. They need to win this one. Because of that, I'm picking them to win. Of course, I'm concerned. With no LeBron, uh, really shows how important he is still in year 19. He is the best player on the court when he is there. Uh, but it is creeping in. Is it load management? Is he just saving himself? Is it a key injury? Uh, but they really need to win this game tonight before it gets tougher. Playing the Heat, the Bulls, the Lakers, the Celtics... They need to win these easy ones. I know they're not all easy, but they need to beat the teams they should beat are on paper better than them. The Hornets, the Trailblazers, the Thunder, those are games they can't be losing moving forward. Then in the NHL, the Blackhawks uh, fire their head coach uh, or dismiss him due to how terrible they start the season with only one win at 1-9-2. and two. Then the interim's first game in, and they win 2-1 to one in overtime. Lincoln in, great game. Uh, to me, it looked better as well. Dominated the possession, the puck movement. Got more shots on goal. Uh, or firing at Saros. Maybe this is a thing of sign to come. Other things I like. Detroit Red Wings I thought would be better. They are. Just put a hurt on the Knights last night as well. A 5-2. to two. The Knights are having trouble with people out. Can they sustain success with everyone out of their lineup? Just gave up, you know, a reliable bit player. Alex Tuck for Jack Eichel. He won't be back for a while. No stone, no patch ready. No tandem in net if Leonard's not doing well. So this is a really different team than previous Knights team. Now moving on to college football. Last week, on Friday, made 10 picks. I went 7-3. and three. Not that bad. Ohio State, Nebraska said Ohio State. They won, however, really sloppy. Nebraska is a good team. I saw them almost beat uh, Michigan State. And then... Uh, Played Michigan well, too. They could have beat them. Another game, they were right there. Their field goal kicker, Contreras, makes his field goals. We might be looking at a different outcome. But, you know, Ohio State was rolling there for a while. Looked a little sloppy last week against Penn State. Looked even worse this week against Nebraska and C.J. Stroud and the pressure they're able to create. Wake Forest and North Carolina. I thought North Carolina... Would win this game, be the one to dethrone 
8-0 Wake Forest. That happened. Great quarterback duel. Uh, High-scoring game, but 58-55 North Carolina was the final score. It was just uh, too much of a deficit for Wake Forest to overcome there at the end. Michigan State and Purdue. I said Michigan State would barely win this game, but they were on upset watch because Purdue beat Iowa, but I thought, can Purdue do it twice in the same season? And the answer was yes. Yes, they did. They could do it twice. Purdue upset Michigan State 40-29. to Michigan State never had the lead in this game. Uh, Purdue dominated this team. And Michigan State, their uh, offensive and defensive efficiency hasn't been great. Uh, they've had Kenneth Walker, who's been a Heisman contender, Peyton Thorne making key plays. But the defense has really been bad. That showed yesterday when Pittsburgh or Purdue... 594 total yards, almost 600 yards of offense, 536 of it passing. You are able to pass all over Michigan State at will. Purdue also with a great trick play uh, for a touchdown right before uh, halftime as well. And Purdue uh, came into this game on a mission. They won this game. uh, Big loss for Michigan State and for the Big Ten moving forward. Tulsa, Cincinnati. I said Cincinnati. And Cincinnati should have really beat uh, Tulsa a lot more than what they did. 28-20 to Cincinnati. They were 20-point favorites. And they should have won by 20 points. Uh, but sloppy play, interceptions, uh, fumbles, letting Tulsa hang in. A key defensive stop there by Cincinnati. Or else Tulsa could have tied this game. But they didn't. Cincinnati... You know, they're 9-0, but they're not playing like a 9-0 team right now. Navy-Notre Dame. Notre Dame had no problem with Navy and their offense. Jack Cohen was great. His defense was good as well. Three points early by Navy, but then 17 unanswered by Notre Dame before we got three more and then another 17 unanswered by Notre Dame. Oklahoma State, West Virginia. I said Oklahoma State will win this game. I know it's tough going into West Virginia, but they can handle it. Their defense has been good, and the defense for Oklahoma State really was great, limiting West Virginia to only 133 yards, 17 on the ground. On 33 attempts, they averaged half a yard per rush. Oklahoma State's defense is for real. This, to me, is the first time in a while I think Oklahoma State has the chance to upset Oklahoma. And to me, they could enter into that game being 10-1 because they play TCU and then Texas Tech. Oklahoma State, I think, really is the team to beat in the Big 12 right now. Baylor-TCU, I thought Baylor could do it. TCU just fired their head coach. What do you know? TCU upsets Baylor. Big uh, loss because Oklahoma State already beat Baylor. Uh, and Baylor plays Oklahoma this week. This was to keep alive in that Big 12 race. Uh, this essentially ends their chances at a playoff berth or anything. To me, even in their conference as well, having two losses. Auburn, Texas A&M. I thought Auburn will barely pull this. 
I thought Bo Nix, better quarterback, even though Texas A&M has a better defense. But, you know, Bo Nix, 50 shades of Bo Nix. We never know which Bo Nix we're going to get because each game is different. It really is. Uh, it is a different experience with Bo Nix every single time he's there at quarterback. Yesterday, or on Saturday, it was the 20 of 41, 153-yard one interception, Bo Nix with a QBR of 26. That was what we saw. That was terrible performance by him. Uh, and really, uh, I just don't know what to expect from them anymore. And it's not like Texas A&M uh, did great. You know, their only touchdown was a 24-yard fumble return. They had no offensive touchdown themselves. The defense really came to play on Saturday for Texas A&M. LSU, Alabama. I thought Alabama would route LSU. But it was close. 20-14 to 14, Alabama. The defense actually for Alabama came up huge. But the offense was the problem. Byron Robinson, 18 yards for him running the ball in only 6 total rushing yards. They can't expect to win the SEC, beat Georgia with six rushing yards, or even the teams remaining on their schedule. They can't expect to play this bad as they did against LSU and expect to beat Arkansas or Auburn. Those games will also be close. If they can't get the running game going, their offensive uh, line uh, can't pass protect or uh, run protect either. That was shocking to have Alabama not play that well but a resilient win by them. And then finally, Oregon-Washington. Oregon, I predicted to win. They looked decent in what was a rained-out game, sloppy by both teams. Oregon was the one uh, to come up and win. Then you had the AP poll, but again, as I said last week on Wednesday, or on Monday or whatever, who cares about the AP poll because of the college football playoff rankings? doesn't matter if Michigan State dropped to eight or... You know, Oregon moved up two spots because the committee will reveal their picks tomorrow. It still shows, you know, Michigan at seven and all that and Michigan State at three. So we'll see tomorrow night who it is. But after this week in college football, who are my top teams in college football? How would I rank the top six? Number one, Georgia. Their defense is legit. JT Daniels is back at quarterback, but not starting. Uh, Stetson Bennett has been really good and effective while he was out. So why stop what is already working? Best offensive, uh, my bad, best defensive team, and also a really uh, solid offense as well. Uh, so good, good game. For Georgia sitting there at 9-0. Two, Alabama. This is where it gets tough because you have Georgia at such a big spot in the rest. So to me, you have Oregon, Alabama, uh, Ohio State. But Alabama, I know they don't have a great win on their schedule. But if I, I were to line up you know, Alabama against the rest of those teams, I really do think Nick Saban is coaching. They would find a way to win those games. Number three, Oregon. To me, they still have the best one out there against Ohio State. And they've been tested, but they haven't really 
came close to losing in the past uh, two weeks or so. So that's why I'm going to give Oregon the nod there, even with a bad loss to Stanford on their record. Number four, Ohio State. Ohio State, you know, is looking uh, less like Ohio State of that great four-run stretch the past two weeks. Now they get Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan coming up. Big schedule for them. They need a lot uh, to work on defensively and protecting C.J. Stroud moving forward. So that leaves my next two teams out. Oklahoma at 5. They're also a team at 9-0. and I respect the Big 12 more than Cincinnati and the AAC. Uh, that's why I have them at 5. And then Michigan State at 6. Still a big one to me, the second best one of the season. Uh, they have over Michigan, but still a big loss to Purdue. And that leaves just Cincinnati out uh, as well. I wanted to put Michigan in there, but Cincinnati undefeated, even though they don't look like a great team at all moving forward. Now, my last thing I'm going to say is college basketball. I'm going to make my pick for college basketball. I think Duke wins it all this year. I'm picking Duke in Villanova. College basketball starts tomorrow night to big games, Kansas, Michigan State, and then Kentucky and Duke. I really think Duke's going to do well last year. Did not have a great year. I think they're going to bounce back. A great recruiting class by Coach K. Also, Coach K's final year this year before he goes. I think a lot of people on his team are going to try to win it for him as well. I think this is going to be great, but you also have other great teams there. You've got Kentucky, uh, Michigan, Gonzaga, Villanova, Oregon, Illinois. But I think it'll be Duke and Villanova in the end. But I think Duke will win it all. That's it. Those are my rankings, my picks, the highlights of this week so far. I know it's only Monday. Tonight, Bears-Steelers, Monday Night Football. Who do you guys like? Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.